Hello and welcome everyone to the inaugural edition of the Alps Kotak India ESG podcast. My name is Rob McClure, Director of Research at SSNC Alps Advisors, and I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Mr. Nitin Jain, who is a portfolio manager for Kotak Mahindra Asset Management based in Singapore. Uh, how are you doing today, Nitin? Very well. Thanks, Rob. Uh, good to hear from you again. We want we wanted to to start this off and and we hope to have a series of podcasts uh, just discussing the the advantage and the uh, case for investing in India, which we think is pretty compelling these days. And and there's in in this in this first podcast we're going to be discussing uh, the demographic advantage that India has. And so just to jump right into it, Nitin, when mm-hmm. we we, you know, we, you and I have had several conversations over the last couple of years about uh, a number of different things that, that are going in really in India's favor when it comes to investing opportunities. And mm-hmm. the, for the, for the purpose of this discussion, you know, one of the things that we, there's an old saying that demographics is destiny. And I think in the case of India, that might, that might be the case. Um, yeah there really is a demographic advantage there. So can you just take us through kind of at a high level um, the advantage that in, the advantages that India has and, and how they might be able to take advantage of that? Yeah, so uh, when you talk about uh, pop, uh, the demographics of the destiny in the uh, medium to long term, uh, India is very well poised on that aspect. Uh, so let me just put some you know, numbers here and then we talk about uh, the largest population in the world now, which is uh, one-sixth of the humanity, all the numbers will not be, you know, not surprisingly be very large. You know, uh, and, and in today's world, when the world is aging at a rapid pace, uh, India has the uh, a good fortune of a very young, and but more importantly, very aspirational youth population. Now, just to put those numbers in perspective, you know, when you think about the, uh, the fastest growing economy in the world for the last two decades, China, uh, versus India. India has also done pretty well in the last two decades, but China, part of for the life, was the fastest growing economy. China's median age today is 38 years plus. India is at 28 years and below on median age. When you look at G7, you know, barring the US, the median age in the world, in the developed world, is in the mid-40s. Now, when you think about that, it, India stands out very, very well and very young. There is obviously the other you know, large cohort of people in Africa, but they are burdened still by dependency, young dependency. Uh, on the other side, when I think about India from an opportunity perspective, you know, when I think about the change in the last two decades, the Indian demographic profile has changed quite dramatically in the last two decades. What was very, very you know, uh, big pyramid-like structure, which had a very large base of poor you know, people who could not consume, with a very narrow you know, uh, uh, upward uh, pyramid uh, at the top, is now looking to become a little bit like a cylindrical shape uh, you know, uh, for most part of the population with a conical structure on top. Now, what do I mean by that? A lot of people have moved from a lower income strata to mid-income strata in the last two decades. And the, the top portion of the Indian diaspora from a, uh, sorry, from an Indian demographic perspective, the rich Indian population has started to bulge a bit. Uh, and when I look at over the next one decade, this is the past two decade story. And you know, when I look at the next two, uh, next decade, the next 10 years, in our view, in our assessment and by many assessments, this shape 
uh, which is looking like to be a cylindrical with a cone on top, is going to look more like a diamond structure. Now, what does that imply? It implies that at the bottom, there will be far less people. In the middle, there will be a bulge of consumers. And at the top, there will be a, a large consumer base even at the top. So let's dig that number into just numbers. You know, India has around 300 million households. Uh, as you speak, uh, uh, only 2-3 uh, percentage of that 300 million households, which is basically around 6-7 million households, is rich by global definition. You know, and 20 odd percent of the next layer is a consuming layer. That essentially means that 75% of India is not a consuming basket as we speak from a global perspective. But even that 25% of the consuming class is almost equivalent to the population of, say, US. It's a large cohort of people. So in that sense, you know, it's a large cohort of people, but over the next 10 years, that will actually jump meaningfully higher from where we are. Again, some numbers, you know. Uh, in our assessment, the rich Indian uh, demographic profile, which is, as I said, around 6 to 7 million you know, households at best, will move by 3x to 4x. That's a very large consuming class. Uh, the consuming, the next layer of consuming class will more than double in size. That's a big consuming class that will emerge. So we will have close to from 25 million, uh, 20, uh, 25 million households that I talked about, 25% uh, of households that I talked about, which is 75 million households, which are consumers now, that can actually potentially double in the next one decade to 150 million plus households. That's the kind of you know, uh, demographic change that India is sitting on from a, just from an income perspective. Now, the other aspect of this is that India will also become a large consumer base. Now, today India is a large economy by population, but India is not a large consume, consuming economy. That said, India is $2 trillion of consumption. That number can potentially you know, uh, more than double in the next decade. In our view, 2.5x you know, consumption basket increase in the next one decade uh, is a given. Uh, the other aspect, you know, in this post-COVID world that I think is very, very important is that labor supply globally is, you know, really tight. When you think about, you know, when you think about the very topical thing about the U.S. Fed, they are tightening and their tightening is not seeing the kind, the kind of impact that they thought it will have. And it's largely because the labor market is tight. And, you know, India, in our view, will remain the largest supplier of labor to the world in the next one decade. India is young. And that young India will be the largest supplier of labor in the next one decade. Uh, so I think uh, there are multiple opportunities from India's perspective, uh, services, manufacturing, and we can do, go deeper into it. Uh, but India is standing uh, you know, at a turn. There are a lot of things from a demographic perspective is loaded in favor of us. Now we have to transform this advantage, uh, both from a uh, consumption perspective and from a manufacturing and services perspective over the next one decade. So... India is also going to become very large consumer for global companies. India is already today the largest consumer of services by Google, uh, by YouTube. Uh, it is the largest consumer base of WhatsApp, Instagram, you know, Facebook. Uh, so, and it is one of the fastest growing you know, uh, consumer base for e-commerce. So, India is not only going to be a global supplier of labor, but also a consumer of services and a market for big global companies. And that is what you know, uh, India offers from a demographic change perspective over the next one decade. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting, Nitin. And 
Um, I think it's great that, that India has several advantages from a demographic standpoint relative to the rest of the world. Um, but in order to take advantage of that, you really need the right policies in place. Um, can you talk a little bit about what India, from a policy perspective, is doing to, to really harness this advantage? So let me just, you know, first, before I go into the, the actions taken by the government, let me just uh, outline one industry where India has actually seen and built a global uh, advantage uh, for itself, the IT industry. You know, we, we churn out a very high number of engineers every year, uh, and uh, that has led to the creation of the IT outsourcing industry. Now, just to put numbers, you know, and, you know, uh, you know in, in a joking way, I could see that, and I can say that uh, every person in the developed market thinks, when he looks at an Indian, this person is either a doctor or, or an IT you know, specialist, or he's a snake charmer. You know, that's the kind of perception that you have, you know, um, uh, the world has. But just to give some numbers, uh, we have around 6 million people, just 6 million people, which is less than half a percent of our overall population in India, into IT services. And that half a percent, less than half a percent of Indian population is now the back office of the world. Uh, no, uh, and when you look at it from a contribution perspective, the IT services are now around 7 to 8 percent of India's GDP. And IT is a great leveler. What do I mean by that? Salaries and wages in IT are almost democratic, whether they're in US, Europe or in India. Of course, there's an advantage for India. Uh, being a low-cost economy, we can provide the same service at a much lower delivery cost, which is why India has become the back office of the world. Now, there are multiple other opportunities. One of the biggest opportunities that we see for India is the manufacturing opportunity. And you know, when you think about manufacturing opportunity, the, the only supplier, the global factory of the world today is China. Now, the world is challenged by uh, having too much of uh, supply risk from one geography, there are, of course, issues on geopolitical side, and India stands to gain on both counts. Uh, rebalancing the supply chain, some global ge uh, geopolitical issues. Now, the government of India has also looked at other issues that India is facing itself. We are also a trade deficit country. We need to make in India. So the government policies in the, in the last few years have been tuned towards making India for India and making India for the world. Now, and how do you do that? You have to incentivize manufacturing in India. Now, the factors of capital, usual factors of capital, land, labor, you know, uh, factors of manufacturing, sorry, uh, land, labor, and capital, uh, the government of India has put efforts in improving or facilitating in each of these aspects. Let's look at them one by one, you know, in a very simplistic way. The government of India has initiated policies for land reform for easier acquisition of land. But land, just land is nothing. You have to create logistical or infrastructure capabilities along with land. So the government of India, government, the government policies have been focused on creating an environment for easier manufacturing by creating logistics setup, by creating infrastructure setup along with providing land. Uh, on the capital side, on the capital side, the, the government is focused on easing uh, the friction in capital. What do I mean by easing friction? Reducing the tax rate. Uh, for corporates who are engaging in creating new manufacturing facility. And on the other side, giving incentive structures to make in India. Uh, there is a big plan that India has outlined called Production Linked Incentives, PLI, uh, which is you know, across various industries, the government of India has outlined financial incentives for any business uh, going into those businesses. 
So capital is becoming more efficient. Uh, and on the last part and the most important part, uh, you know, human resources. You know, clearly, you know, at this point of time, the labor reforms that India is doing uh, is going to ease uh, you know issues around even labor, where it will become easier to hire and easier to downsize in case things do not go and play up in the right way. So I think all those factors of production right now is being taken care of by the government. Uh, the government, you know, in in our uh, view, the government could do a little bit more on the services side too. You know, what do I uh, uh, let me just elaborate a bit? You know, India has, as we said already, India is the back office of the world, uh, and there is a global supply shortage. When you think about services in hospitality, globally we are seeing inflation, and what we also hear along with inflation is that there is a poor quality of service. You are paying more more price. But you are getting even a lesser outcome because there is a massive labor shortage in hospitality. Now, can we focus on hospitality and bridge that gap from a supply perspective? We can very well do that. I think the government can focus there also to incentivize, uh, you know, uh, the the supply on services side, other than just IT and healthcare. And, and we can become a global supplier in the hospital hospitality industry uh, over the next few years. Uh, it's certainly it's certainly very exciting, um, and it's and it's good to know that that you know the the conditions seem to be in place uh, for India to take advantage of this demographic advantage. And and we're coming up towards the the, the end of our allotted time. But before we go, Nitin, um, tell us a little bit about how Hotech has the ability to take advantage of this from an investing standpoint. You know, tell us a little bit about your process and, and your team and why you think you might have an edge. Okay. So before we go there, just quickly, you know, uh, I think it's not only good part. There are also challenges of providing jobs and skilling, uh, making the, you know, uh, uh, education, making the, uh, or that demographic, uh, demography of India educated, employable, and then provide employment. Uh, now, at our end, in, in Kotak, uh, we are a large financial player uh, in the market. Now we we have been in the Indian market for more than three decades. Uh, again, again numbers. You know, I joined Kotak in 2005. We were 3,000 people in the entire Kotak ecosystem. Uh, 2023, 18 years later, we have 90,000 people in Kotak ecosystem. So we are a very fast growing financial services uh, firm in India. Uh, at the same time, on our research, uh, on our investment capabilities, we are one of the largest players. uh which are in, uh, investors in uh, for local investors in india we were the first uh, indian you know asset manager to seek out global players to regulate structures uh, both in us and in europe in fact you know uh, rob as we know we are the only indian uh, player who has a fund in the us market now our investment processes our teams are you know well defined well documented uh, our investment philosophy captures the india story uh, over a long period of time in a in a very efficient way so i would you know i would tend to believe that india offers a, a great story over the next many many years and our team is uh, in place to capture that great story in a very responsible way you know let me just you know uh, highlight responsibility in that sense that we would be responsible on risk management we will be responsible on our processes and we will be responsible in our investment uh, in a in a esg focused way uh, for our investors so i think we are well placed in all those aspects as we speak That's great, Nitin, and, and I really appreciate your time. I think uh, 
know, hopefully we can get together again very soon and, and start talking about there's several uh, several topics we can we can dive into as it relates to India and the, and the case uh, for for investing in India. So I'm looking forward to our next chat. Um, but thanks for thanks for listening, everyone, and, and hope you enjoyed it. Please visit us at alpsadvisors.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.